I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman, back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. This one with Corey live on site in Germany. He is at the World U18 tournament, which is about a week in, into it so far. And Corey, so far, it's been uh, a, a real dominant tournament for the Americans. Right. And that was somewhat expected coming in. But I think even with expecting that, uh, they would be the clear top team. Uh, nobody looks really close to challenging them here. Even though they did lose the pre-tournament game to Sweden, they could possibly play Sweden in, in the gold medal game. So that would be some interesting dynamic there. But being you look at the, the Czechia team who looks really really strong right now and and, and potentially a, a silver um, medal contender in this tournament and when they played the USA they had a lead there for about a period but for this two thirds of that game it, it, it they couldn't get close to that US team in terms of the depth of talent that they have and I think that's the thing that these good nations have struggled with when they've played the US is. You know, there are the U.S. isn't a team full of superstars. The, there are players on other teams that are better than some of the players that they have at, at various positions. But they just have four really good lines. They have three good, at least I would argue, two good defensive pairs and a serviceable third one. And their goaltending has been fine. There hasn't really been a great goalie in this tournament, but their goaltending hasn't hurt them. But they can just keep rolling the lines. You saw in that game versus Canada when Connor Bedard and Fantilli were on the ice, they could skate with the U.S. And then the second they got off, they, they were pinned in their own end. Well, it's it's kind of a twofold thing. I forget whether we addressed this on the, on the preview episode or not. But this is you know the the U.S. NTDP. This is what they build toward, right? For two years. Uh, they build toward being ready for the World U18 Championships. And so they play together. They have chemistry that none of these other teams can really quite match. Obviously, the other nations have, you know, they'll, they'll go to 
certain uh, international events as a U18 program over the years, but these guys play together for two years and, and they should be the favorites. Like this is not uh, totally unexpected here. This is how it typically uh, stacks up on paper. But between that and, and what you were talking about, a, a really talented group that that does have just really significant depth and can score on all four lines. This is how it has added up so far. And, and you never know. You, you, you see upsets at these tournaments, um, especially once you get into single elimination. I think Finland can always knock anybody off. Um, and they look like they have a really good team again this year. But um, a- as we sit here today on Friday, um, it has been a, a really impressive event for the Americans. And we'll get into kind of the, the individual players on and really the whole rest of the field in a second. But a couple of guys in particular I want to talk to you about. Start at, at the very top of Logan Cooley. What have you thought of his tournament? He's, he's a guy who uh, most expect to go in, in the top five, potentially top three. Yeah, I think Cooley's been excellent. Uh no surprise in that regard, but that being the first line center on that team, he's showing his, his great speed, skill, offensive creativity, uh, just an overall you know, top player at, at the junior level and a guy you expect will be a very good pro. I wouldn't say, if you ask me who's been the best player here, I I, ha- I wouldn't say he's been the guy. I can see the argument just being the best player on the best team, uh, but I, I can't see... I can see arguments for several other players, and I think you would have hoped Logan Cooley would have just come in here and, and scored three points a game and, and left no doubt. Uh, but but he has been very strong. Uh, really, the, the American team has had a few guys who have uh, produced significantly, and obviously Cooley's won. But I, I would say early in the tournament, probably the story was Isaac Howard, who opened it with a four-goal game. And um, recently, Rucker McGrory seems like every time you look up, he has is scoring a goal from the slot. Uh, I mean, the overall scoring – I mean, those are two guys who I think – you know, Cooley having had established himself really high in the draft, those two guys have really helped themselves so far at this tournament. Yep, I would say that for sure. I mean, yeah, Howard had the four goal game against Canada too. I mean, obviously, this was not the same Canadian team we're used to seeing, but that was it's still a good, you know, a good junior team, and and he rose to the occasion, had a huge game. I think he's had a great tournament. I'd argue McGrody's had even a better tournament, and then I think he's been just every single game. I feel like he's making an impact and. He does it through his skill and his playmaking. He has, he has six goals as we record this. Um, he wins a lot of battles. He can create offense around the net in the slot, as you mentioned. Uh, there's a lot to like about this player. I think both guys are on the rise. I'd argue McGrody is even more on the rise. I think this is a guy coming into the tournament. You said you know, second half of the first round. I can see coming out of this tournament him being a first half of the first round type of player. Even though his skating is still kind of wonky, I think there's a lot of other things in his game that get you really excited that everything else looks NHL caliber and it looks like it could translate into a, a middle of the lineup forward guy who could play both ways. And the other USA player I, I would call out would be Ryan Chesley, uh, the, the defenseman for the program. I think a lot of their defensemen have had very good tournaments. Lane Hudson, uh, Seamus Casey have been excellent. But I, I've been kind of harsh on Ryan Chesley this season, so I think it's worth calling out when he's done quite well. And I think he's done quite well here. He he, he could, he's always had the defensive components between the you know, good skating, good physicality. Uh, you, n- you just wondered about the puck moving game. Is there a legitimate offense there t- to play in the NHL? And I think you know at least here he's been a point of game defenseman so far. He's made some plays. He's been involved in the offense while providing the solid defensive play. And I think. I think that's going to stir some debate. It's like, hey, didn't have the greatest season, but ends it on a strong note. Reminds you of his underage season. Looks like a guy who could be a two-way defenseman maybe in the NHL. So I, I think that one was really intriguing too with US, USA is the play of Chesley. 
just to, to wrap on the Americans, I mean, it almost feels like we, we're not going to have time to get to all these guys. But, you know, Cooley's sure. line mates, Gautier and Snugger, I don't think have done anything to hurt themselves here. We, we did talk about Gautier coming in as a guy who maybe had the best chance to elevate. Um, he, he's he's held serve for sure. I mean, I don't think that he's he's had the same leap that a guy like McGroarty has or, to your point, Chesley. Uh, but I think both of those guys have still looked really good. That line has had stretches in, in the games that I've watched where they've been completely dominant and it's been really hard to to break out against them. And I think Frank Nazar's held serve on, on Howard's line. You know, obviously Howard scoring all those goals is going to be the one to get the shine, but he's got six or seven assists already in this tournament um, and, and still looks every bit the player that we expected coming in. So I don't think those guys have hurt themselves at all. I don't want to ignore them. We're just probably not going right. to have time to give them quite the spotlight that maybe otherwise they would get after these performances. Right. I think it's still the end of the day. You're seeing at least, you could see six, seven, eight first round picks come out of this team without even getting the fact that you might have first round picks from next year. And Charlie Strainwell, a high first round pick potentially next year. And Hunter Persevitz, who could be a first round pick defenseman next year. Yeah, absolutely. No. So that's been impressive. The, the team they'll match up with, though, I would say may have the riser of the tournament so far. And you'll have to check me if I'm wrong with that in the semifinals uh, in, in Yuri Kulich. And to me, this is the guy who uh, put himself in the best position so far. And we'll see what he does against the Americans. You have to figure if he does what he's done against everyone else so far against this team USA team, uh, that star even gets a little brighter here. Right. You know, I was talking to some scouts about Coolidge coming into the tournament. Uh, he wasn't on my first round list on the last one I published, but he was right on the precipice. I thought he could be a high second. I think with the ploy he's played here now, I would agree he is the riser of the tournament. I would be surprised if he was not a first-round pick after the way he's played here. He looks like a very complete forward. He's a good skater. He provides offensive skill and playmaking. The goal-scoring touch is obvious. He's been scoring goals from range here, um, being very dangerous in the power play. I wouldn't call him an overly physical, big type of guy, but I think he competes well. You, you, you know, He's played... He's playing wing at this tournament. He's played center before. I think there is some two-way in his game. It's not the high end, but it's but it's good enough uh, to go with this with the again the pace, the the skill, and the scoring ability. Um, very intriguing player there for Czechia, and he's obviously been a huge reason why they've been so successful. Him and and the play of uh, the underage player Edward Sale, who looks like a very intriguing player for next year's draft, been one of the top scorers here in this year's tournament. A uh, big forward who can skate and and has a lot of offensive tools. One of the que- most common questions that we get through the course of a draft cycle on this podcast is who are the sleepers? Who are the guys that people are missing? And uh, I, I would say this tournament is going to take Coolidge out of that conversation now because everyone's going to know his name. But he does fit this profile really well in, in what we would look for when we answer that question, right? You're looking at a guy who played in a maybe a less prominent Euro League against men, uh, w- which makes it a little harder to know what you're getting. Obviously, he didn't have some crazy explosive year in the Czech men's league, but he was still really productive. Without this tournament, maybe he's this guy that, that surprises people. But I think this is going to be the thing that uh, throws him into the spotlight. I don't think he's catching anybody off guard now, but this is exactly what you're looking for when you ask about that player most years. Right. Like I said, I've talked to some people over the course of the year, some scouts who who did have him in the first round range, yeah. but I would have described it as a minority opinion. I would guess coming out of this tournament, it's going to be a majority opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else on, on USA Czechia before we move into the other semifinal, which which is going to be uh, Finland, Sweden, and we, we'll wrap the Canadians too. But anything else on, on Czechia USA first? No, I, I think that kind of sums up there. I, I think the play of Saleh is really notable. He looks like a really top guy uh, for the 2023 draft. A lot of attributes there that can get you excited. 
I, I, you looked at the play of Matias Pavlov for Czechia. And, you know, he's been good here, but I wouldn't say he's been great. I think if if he was coming in to try to make the argument that he was a first round pick, I don't think he's made it. Uh, but he still looks like a good player, big, competitive, has some has some puck skills. Could potentially be a bottom six forward in the NHL. I think. All right, moving into the other semifinal, then I would say that you know Sweden and Finland. Finland obviously upsetting Canada with the comeback win the other day. That's been impressive. Um, but but to me, the stories of this semifinal is going to be watching two potential top ten pick wingers, and there's more guys in that certainly in, in this game. But Jonathan Lekaramaki having one of the best tournaments of anybody so far um, with a huge five point game the other day, and and Joachim Kamel who had a hat trick against Canada. Um, and, and he was a guy that we had highlighted coming in for obvious reasons. He's a top 10 uh, candidate in this draft, but but specifically because his second half had cooled a little bit in Liga. We wanted to see him reestablish himself against his peers. I would say more than fair to say he has done exactly that. Right. First game, he scores a goal, I believe. He was good, not great. He was pretty good. I wouldn't say he was amazing in that game, but but he was quite solid. Then he gets the flu, uh, misses, the, misses the second game. Third game, he comes back. He's, he's just okay. Maybe it's the flu. Maybe he just has an off game. Uh, but then it's that quarterfinal versus Canada where you watch that game and it's, it's very clear why Kamel is such a top prospect. Has the hat trick, including the overtime game winner in that game. Not just the goals because the goals, all three of them were impressive in their in their own individual right. But, you know, he shows the pace, the work ethic, uh, to go with the with the, you know, the skill and playmaking ability. Uh just a really well-rounded forward other than the fact that he's not the biggest guy and, and not a center, I guess would be the nitpicks you can put on him. But, but it looks like a he showed in that quarterfinal why he could be a top 10 pick. And if, if you wanted to argue him higher than that range, I think that game would be a great argument for that. Yeah, I, I think even you look at the, the winner that he had in overtime, it's not just setting up and teeing off for a one-timer. It's reading the play, picking off a pass, and, and taking it the length before obviously beating the goalie. We know he could finish, but I, I thought that stood out to me. And I, I think, you know, you say he's not the biggest guy, but he's also fairly sturdy. And I think when you combine yeah. that with the pace and, and the work ethic, this is what you would want to see out of a, a kind of a quote-unquote scoring winger to know that they are going to have that B game. They are going to be able to help you not just teeing up on the power play. And so that's been my biggest takeaway. I, I just feel a lot better about Kamel uh, after this tournament. Not, not, you know, not that I was ever doubting sure. it, but just, it's a little, it's that little extra boost after the second half. Yeah. And like I said, I think there's a lot to offer there. I think his work ethic off the puck is really strong. I've seen quite a few times in this tournament where, you know, he's comes hard back on the back check, forces a turnover, uh, forces the, the opposing player into a mistake. Uh, I, I I think you really like that. That's why I think he will, even though it's good, not great speed, it's average size, but I think there's a lot there with the compete and the skill where you think he'll be able to drive play to even strength and not just be a power play guy, which I think is very important. How about on the other side of the Karamaki? And I, I mean, his line, I think, has been kind of for Sweden, the, the go-to line with no Osler and Liam Ogren. Um, we, again, we, this is another one. We know he's a good player. He's been pretty productive in his limited time in, in, uh, in the SHL so far. But what have you seen from the Karamaki in, in this tournament? It's interesting in that he's, he co-leads the tournament in scoring as we're recording this. When I have watched the games, though, I, I wouldn't say he's popped in the way that, that his other co-leader, Yuri Kulich, has. I, I don't think he's looked that way, but... But Lekaramaki can have a little bit of a sleepy game sometimes, but the skill level is so high that shot is just outstanding. I mean, that goal he scored at the end of the game versus uh, versus Germany is just one of the be- better shot 
it's arguably the best shot in the draft and one of the better shots you'll you'll see in junior hockey right now. Uh, just like a really skilled, creative goal scoring winger doesn't play the game in the same way as Joachim Kamel is like, and whereas I think Joachim Kamel has a little bit more direct physicality in him. I don't see that in Lekaramaki, but Lekaramaki's uh, pure goal scoring touch, I would argue is, is better uh, than Kamel, but, but both are outstanding prospects who both have legitimate cases to go in the top 10 in the draft and, and are, are playing the part so far. Today, who are you taking uh, head up? You know, you, you got the you know seventh or eighth pick in this draft, and, and you want a winger. Which one of these guys are you going with? As of right this second, I would choose Kamel, but it would be a very tough decision. Just for the reasons I said earlier in the in the discussion, is that I think there's a little bit more even strength play in his game, uh, and whereas I think Lekromaki's game is more suited for the power play, which I, I, is obviously valuable. But I think you just if it's between those two type of things, I just think Kamel's compete level is significantly higher. One of the goals that uh, Lekermaki scored so far in this tournament was uh, set up a uh, long stretch pass. He had a really nice finish on it on the backhand, but it, the stretch pass I thought was notable too. And that was by a guy who's who's really been productive at this tournament, Matthias Havla, the, the five foot ten defenseman on the Swedish team. Uh, what kind of impression has he made on you? I think he kind of entered the the fold here as like a mid to late third round candidate. Is, is that still kind of where he's at? Yeah, I would say he's probably going to go higher than that. I, I Because of the size, I don't know if he's going to work his way all the way into the first round, but it's worth having a discussion, at least right now. Uh, as we record this, he's one goal off from having setting from tying the goal record at this tournament set by Matthew Dumba and David Quenville. You know, just really skilled, smart uh, defenseman. He has the big point shot. He's a pretty strong skater. Uh, you know, there's a lot there to like other than the size. You said he's 5'10". He might not even be 5'10 tall, to be quite honest. Uh, I think Central measured him around 5'9". I've seen other places say he's 5'10", too. Uh, but, you know, again, he's he's in that discussion. Yeah, right. He probably came in as like a second, third round type. He's probably leaving this term right now as, I would say, a strong second round candidate. Could sneak into the late one if someone, you know, if he someone falls in love with the talent there. You know, with, with small defensemen, the bar has to be so high. And he might, you might argue, he's met that bar. I mean, he's really good here, really good in the J20 playoffs in Sweden. He was the best player, big part of why Linkoping uh, won their J20 championship. So he's had a very strong last couple of months. How do you stack him up with, with a couple of the, of the U.S.'s undersized defensemen, Seamus Casey and Lane Hudson? Is he pretty clearly a, a step ahead at this point? Uh, I don't know if he's a step ahead. I think I've actually had this discussion with other people here. The tournament, like, you know, how do you compare him to Casey and Hudson? I think Hudson and Casey are both players I like a lot. I don't have either of them in the first, and, I, and I'm not sure this guy clears the bar yet for me. But I think you can start having those discussions with all three, and I really like all three. You know, what, if I was to do a, you know a top fifty list instead of a top twenty five or a top thirty, they would all definitely be in there. And I think it's just a matter of what order you put all three of them in. I think, and we didn't talk about them again because there are so many good American players. But I, I think you, you've seen those two guys both pop at this tournament too. So sure. uh, it will be it will be interesting to see how how that shakes out. I, before we move on from the Swedes, though, I, I want to wrap up on on Lekaramaki's line mates because I think Noah Oslin in particular, and I haven't watched a ton yes. of of this, been able to watch a ton of Sweden's games, but he's been a guy who I think has popped to me. He had he had one play, and it was against a defender who didn't have a stick. So I'm trying not to make too much out of it, but it was a really impressive play at the net there. 
Um, and, and, and he's just been good this tournament. I mean, what has he done for himself, uh, Osland, in this tournament? Yeah, you're, you're right. He has definitely helped himself. His, his Holenka in the summer at this age level, kind of like Coolidge, was good, not great. And, and, and now you, he comes to this tournament and he, and he elevates to, to a higher level, same level as Coolidge, obviously, but he's played quite well. Has this, you know, high, very high skill level. He makes plays, but it's not just the, the flashy skill stuff that he shows and, and shows often. It's, he skates really well. He competes hard. He's a center who is responsible defensively. You know, a lot there to like. Scored a lot early in the tournament, less in the, in the, in the last game or so, but, you know, he's a strong player. Does he get into the first? I would say no right now. I wouldn't. If coming into the tournament, I would say a hard no. And right now, I would say lean no, but not ruling it out. Just because, again, 5'11 guy, it's got talent, good numbers this year, but it's not outstanding numbers. It's outstanding skill. Uh, so that's be where I would stand right now. How about one other Swedish defenseman? And this is a guy, Elias Sal- Salomonson, who we kind of uh, teased, I think, in, in the preview episode. What's he shown you so far at the tournament? He's been just okay, to be to be quite honest. Probably not the tournament you were hoping if you were if you were high on him coming into the tournament. Um, just looks like a good skater, good first pass, um, showed some physicality and maybe too much. It led to a, a five and a ten uh, on him in the in the quarterfinal game against Germany. I would argue that Cali Adelius, uh, the Jurgarn defenseman, has arguably been their second best defenseman behind Havlet at this one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, uh, picking back up now, Corey, let, let's uh, get to the other side of that semifinal matchup with Finland. We talked about Kamel. Who else on, on the Finnish team has, has caught your eye here so far? There's been a c- couple of players. They don't have as deep a team as as Sweden does, but they definitely have a couple of guys that have caught my eye. And, and quite frankly, the guys who have caught my eye have been guys eligible for future drafts. Casper uh, Haltunen, uh, who will be uh, a guy to know for the 2023 draft, has been quite impressive. Big, powerful winger, you know, really good hands, uh, can shoot it at a, you know very well. Uh, he has a, he's a one timer threat from the circles. He competes well. Uh, skating looks fine. We'll probably wouldn't call a, you know, him a burner, but it's, it's looked fine at this level. And I've, I've you know he's been one of their better players. Really impressed by him. I think everybody, whether you knew the player or didn't, in my case, I hadn't really watched the player. We're very curious how the 06-born defenseman, uh, Kivaharyu, was going to perform at this tournament as a double underage at this level. Uh, saw him in the first couple of games. You know, he was he was good. 
didn't think he was outstanding. And, and I think being even good at this level as a double underage is, is impressive in its own right. It's not easy for a guy to come up and, and do that, be a play. He's playing on their top pair. He's playing on their second power play. That's not easy. Uh, but the last game or so, I was you were watching really, and I see okay, I, I see what the big deal is now with this guy. I mean, his hockey sense is outstanding. I mean, it's just the the poise and the and the vision he's showing as as a as a fifteen recently turned sixteen year old is is really impressive. And uh, to go with pretty strong skating ability, um, the one thing you'll have to worry about with him over the coming years is the frame. He's only five foot ten. I ideally you'd obviously like that to 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 be better, but I think even even if he isn't, this is this is a guy you gotta know for the next few years. If he grows and the skating maintains, maybe you're talking about him as a real top echelon player. Even if not, though, I still think this is a very strong pro prospect who has performed as well. I think you could have hoped for such a young player here. Well, so speaking of of teams who you know, a lot of the guys who are, who are catching your eye are, are the underages. I think we probably should shift into Canada now. They eliminated in the quarterfinals. Um, and really, I would say the story of that team, unsurprisingly, is Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli uh, as well. And I think you probably put Matthew Wood in that conversation. None of these guys eligible for the 2022 draft. Um, I mean, Owen Pickering, I think, probably belongs uh, in, in that tier. I think he was named one of Canada's players of the tournament, and he's obviously in this draft. But uh, when you look ahead, when you look at this Canada team, is it really about just looking ahead? Because to me, those guys were the stories of the tournament primarily. Right. And... This Canada team, obviously uniquely disadvantaged relative to, relative to other Canadian U18 teams in the past. The U18 World Championships is always a difficult team for them to put a team together for because of the conflict with the CHL playoffs. But this year, the conflict was even greater uh, because the CHL playoffs were delayed significantly by, by COVID stoppages. Uh, no QMJHL players were eligible at all as all those teams make their, their first round. And there was only a couple of OHL and WHL teams they could choose from so it was really slim pickings uh but you know again so the, the story ended up being not guys who were 2004 born but the guys for, for future draft years connor bedard and Fantilia, as you said were were in my opinion not not controversially by any means they're, they're two best players i mean bedard's what he does with the puck is just outstanding you're between his, his individual skill level is Overall creativity, uh, his hockey sense, it just his 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 shots is you know elite by any by any measure. Uh, just a really really impressive offensive player, you know. And I, and I look at this guy; he's a whatever he is a five ten five eleven center. He's a pretty good skater. He's not an exceptional speed, but it's a really good skater. And I think you can argue, well, you know, I've had this argument with some people about Bedard. Uh, here this week and it's like well you know what centers in the nhl look like that and it's like well you know sydney crosby kind of looked like that at the same <laughs> age i'm not saying this doesn't be sydney crosby but he, he competes hard he's you know very very intelligent you know maybe he's you know i can think of stan coast as a, as a comp too you know, two, two exceptional players obviously hit, going both going to the hall of fame um but and i'm not saying this guy's gonna be a hall of famer it'd be unfair comparison but just i mean he's just an ex- just an outstanding player and just highly entertaining to watch and and with the he's been so good at these two tournaments and neither of them are with his age group you know he's you know, Adam Fantilli's a late 04 so this is technically his age group you know Bedard could theoretically come back to this tournament next year he won't but he could theoretically come back to this tournament next year 
Uh, Fantilli was one, you know, just, I think you, if you were watching him and thinking about his NHL future, you're, you're really excited by what you saw at this tournament. Uh, a 6'2", 6'3", center who can skate quite well. He's got, you know, great offensive, uh, tools, uh, you, between his, you know, his 1v1 play, he's zipping pucks around in the offensive zone to his teammates. Uh, he's this big center who was competing hard. He was being physical. It just, he looks like has all the indicators of a future number one center in the NHL. Um, and I know you called on Matthew Wood. He had a good tournament. He played first power play, but didn't really play much even strength. I think the skating, his skating is just okay. Caught up, caught up him at this level, but he'll be a top guy in next year's draft because his, he produced a lot of offense, leading score in the BCHL this season. Um, like I said, I think he was good. I wouldn't say he was great here. Not many players on Canada were. And I think that was kind of the issue with Canada, why they got knocked out so early is they they had Bedard and Fantilli doing all those great things, but there was no second layer. And I know they didn't have the guys that they needed to, but they had some guys. They had you know guys like Rieger Lorenz, David Goyette, who you know, we I thought would provide you know a, lo- a lot of you know some secondary scoring, and they didn't. Goyette in particular just kind of fell down the lineup as the, as the tournament went on. There is one more guy from Team Germany who I'm going to want to get to, but just while we're talking about all these underage guys, it, it stri- so we've talked on the show before a lot about how it's really easy to fall in love with the following year's draft class. Every year, you could probably look ahead and, and it's really easy to say, yeah, but next year, look out. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear it from you, Corey. Am I hearing next year, look out from you? I would say next year's top of the class Looks a lot strong. Looks, I'm not even gonna say a lot because I don't want to exaggerate, but it looks stronger than this year. Coming into this year, you had the one guy, Shane Wright, and you had some other guys that had intrigued. Maybe it's Cooley, maybe it's Nemec or Slavkovsky, maybe it's Yerichek, maybe it's Savoy or Geeky. Whereas I think you're going into next year, you're like, okay, we've got three guys here Connor Bedard, Anna Fentilli, and uh, Mafe Mishkov and Scott, which obviously will present its own unique issues. But, but those are three guys that look really exciting. I think if you put, you know, we could talk about Bedard and, and Mishkov if you want to in the exercise too, but I think given that they're just similar positions, similar size, I think you can put Adam Fantilli next to Shane Wright right now and it would be a debate. I might still lean to Wright, but it would be, I think you would really think about it and I could definitely see the argument for a Fantilli. And it just, to me, it seems like, like, and I don't know, maybe this is, maybe I'm falling into the trap here, but it just seems like there's more guys we're talking about as potentially being in that top five, top 10 range that maybe you feel a little better about the length of the, even beyond, I, I hear you're saying that it's, drafts are defined by the top of the draft. We, we know the top of next year's draft looks really good. You're also saying, I think maybe a longer next tier, at least from what I, what it seems like to me. Maybe that doesn't prove to be the case. Guys do fall off. A lot of this is projection and us getting right. excited about what they could do next year. But that's how it sounds yeah. to me. Yeah, I mean, like you can nitpick it. Like, I don't think the, the NTDP for next year is all that is all that strong. I don't think the Quebec region is all that strong. So you can like, uh, I don't think that the Swedes are look all that strong next year. But you can kind of go down those rabbit holes over and over again. And but I would say general, we're, I would be more um, enthusiastic if I had a top five pick in next year's class. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, then let's wrap up, the, up this this tournament here with uh, with the player from Germany, Julian Lutz. Uh, six foot two forward. I see him score a couple goals on on big shots in in the games that I've watched. I haven't watched too much of his tournament, so I'm going to defer to you uh, on most of this. But what did Julian Lutz show in this tournament? 
Right. I mean, Germany had a tough time here as the host nation. Uh, but Lutz is the one guy who you can kind of take away and say, okay, this guy's got a chance to play in the National Hockey League. Six one six two four, good skater, uh, has pretty good puck skills. He can shoot the puck well. Not a perfectly well-rounded player off the puck. He's just okay. Just, there, there were stretches in there in games where he where he where he kind of blends into the background. But uh, Germany's had a decent little run here of some good prospects, and I'm starting to hear on Lutz. You know, could go in the third round, might even go in the second round. I'm not sure I'm all the way there yet, but but I could see the argument for that. He, he looks like a strong prospect with a lot of NHL tools. All right, so so that's what's happened so far. Now here we sit at, at the kind of the start of the semifinals. Uh, USA, Czechia, Sweden, Finland. What are you looking for in these final couple of games? Is there any any last kind of questions you want to see answered? And, and who do you think wins it? This tournament, like all WHF tournaments, there there's a couple of those good games. You know, the U.S. Canada game, the Canada Finland game, even the Czechia USA game, and we you know had some very competitive moments. But w- with no Russia here, there's been there's been quite a few blowouts. Um, you know, you had you had the you had some upsets. You had Latvia beating Sweden somehow in a game that they wasn't like the shots weren't even like well they didn't get gold or anything like that. It just they just played out beat them. But there was a lot of games here where there were really significant blowouts and leads to teams like Czechia, teams like USA running up the score on on guys. I think you want to see what happens now over these next two games. No matter who wins or loses the semifinal. All the two semifinals, the bronze and the gold medal game, should all be highly competitive games that you think the scores will be closer. Uh, so I think you want to see among the, the players we've discussed so far in this podcast, and maybe some that we haven't, who rises to the occasion? Um, can somebody push the United States? Uh, and it, we're just, and that, that's going to be a wrap for a lot of these players' season. It's going to be this coming weekend. So it's, it's going to be a very exciting moment uh, for the draft. And, and when we get past this tournament, we're into draft lottery and, and we're, we're in full swing for draft season. Well, you know, that's a really good point. I, I remember on the night the Red Wings drafted Lucas Raymond, who, who, you know, certainly was a guy who was looked at as a, as a top five, certainly top 10 pick already at the time of the um, U18 tournament. I think this might have even been his, this would have been his underage year. But I remember Draper talking on draft night about like the, the memory of, of Lucas Raymond's hat trick against Russia in, in the gold medal game at this tournament against Yaroslav Oskarov. And I, I do think that was something that the Red Wings, uh, there's a ton of reasons that they liked Lucas Raymond, but one of them I think was that he really rose to the occasion when it got really tight at this tournament. And I don't, I don't remember completely this, but had Raymond had like a dominant tournament up to that point? Do you remember this? He was pretty good at the Holinka Gretzky, uh, in this, the, that summer. They had gotten to the gold medal game uh, versus Canada, I believe, and had and had lost. But they, he, he was really good, but he wasn't outstanding. At that tournament, he was. Him and Alexander Holt were outstanding. And him particularly being the hero in that gold medal game on home ice there in Sweden. Yeah, and, and so I just think like that, that you're making a great point, which is that teams want guys who, who they will project to rise to the moment for them and, and who they know. Ultimately, when they draft these guys, they're doing it with, basically being able to help them win playoff hockey games someday in mind. That's what these are. Um, and this is this is the chance for all these players here to show that they're that kind of guy. It doesn't mean that they're not if they don't do it here, but it's an opportunity to show that they that they can be, they have that in them. Um, and, and that is something really, really fun to look forward to here this last weekend. Yeah, I mean, you kind of look there in the round robin, uh, two guys come to mind. You know, Canada has a lead against Czechia. 
they close the lead. Yuri Kulich scores in an overtime hat trick on the game. Same, almost the exact same thing happens with Joachim Kamel against Canada, unfortunately, for our Canadian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but it, two you know, leads that they ended up choking up and losing in overtime and, and top prospects delivering in those big moments. Absolutely. So should be fun to watch a closeout. Uh, I, I'm still taking the Americans. What do you think? Not really a controversial opinion. I, I think it's hard to make a bet unless you give really good odds against them right now. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll take a break right there and we'll come back with a mailbag. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code The Athletic. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, Corey, uh, let's get into the mailbag now with, with some good questions today. The first one is from Drew Callum, who wants to talk about Jason Robertson, specifically whether you foresaw his emergence uh, as, a, as very good to start top line winger. Like, did you see it happening this quickly? And, and was a 40 goal season ever in the cards when he was drafted? Well, obviously, I did not see that. If I did, he would have been a, whatever, top five, top three, first overall type of guy on my list. And I think, I forgot where I had him. I think he was around 20 to 35 or something like that. I could, I, I forget to be quite honest. Um, I, I did like him, I believe at the time. I just didn't like him as much as you probably should have. And I think that was the, the extent with, with most teams. It's why he was an early second round pick it is that teams watched him and he put up great numbers in Kingston, great numbers. And he has size and he seems to work hard and he's a likable kid and has all kinds of skill and scoring ability, but that skating was rough. Like it, it's it's an ugly stride, and still watching him, even watching him in Dallas right now, like you can argue maybe he's cleaned it up a little bit, 
he's not exactly bringing the puck from 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 zone to zone and he still kind of has like that gangly looking skating style but but man he's so skilled he's so smart he works he can has is he has the scoring uh, f- finishing abilities uh, just obviously i didn't see that and i don't think almost anybody saw that if they did kudos to them and i think you know it's interesting with with robertson is it it, it, it ignites the debate of are you overrating skating? Just take the guy who scores a lot all the time. And I hear that argument. I don't think it's unreasonable. I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that we overrate skating at times and look past really high degrees of talent when guys have skating efficiencies. I would argue his was a significant one at the time, but but one regardless. And I guess I would argue back to that to that sentiment, it's like, it's like there's a lot of examples over time where that same situation happens and the player doesn't pan out. He's the outlier. Again, it's why he was a second-round pick. But it's, a, it's an interesting debate, nevertheless. And I think there's a lot of NHL people I talk to who, when guys have been coming around, not just this season, but in the past couple of seasons, as it became his last season, he also played very, very well. You're starting to hear people ask the argument, well... Can this guy be the next Jason Robertson? I love the toolkit, but man, he doesn't skate that well. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that is uh, you, any any prospect who's got a skating concern on him probably should be uh, sending Jason Robertson a, a thank you letter for getting for getting uh, that talking point worked into what I'm you know I'm sure team scouting meetings right along the same lines of the uh, what Alex DeBrinket has done for the five nine or below uh, scoring winger right right but it, you know when when Cole Coffee was coming up. The issue was, who's an NHL comparable for Cole Caulfield? And people say, well, to bring it. And it's like, okay, well, what's option B? <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and that's kind of the issue with, with Lane Hudson right now in this year's draft is I, I asked people around the league, well, who's his comparable? Who's the 5'8 defenseman who's not an elite skater that plays in the NHL and plays power play and takes a regular shift? And, and I can't think of one, can you? No, probably not at five eight. No, I mean the, you you're you're asking like probably like Tory Krug is probably, but he's a little couple inches taller, I think. And and you know, I, but I Krug, Krug, Krug is one I've thought of. Yeah, I, people come back to me, and I don't know Krug as well as I probably should have, but like, people say he's he's sturdy, plays hard, he's better defensively, all those things. Although I do think Hudson plays hard. And and I think I like his skating more than you do. I I know I think it probably comes down to the backwards versus forwards in zone thing, and that's fair. But I I don't. I don't think his skating is he, a terrible concern. No, no, no. He's a he's a good skater, but for for five eight, he's yeah, not sure. elite. It's sure. not he's not elite feet. He's not a burner. Yeah, it's it's not Quinn Hughes. That's that's fair. But I I right. still I still still like how he moves. So uh, I I like I know you like Lane too. I'm not trying to paint you into a corner there. No, no, I, I get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to the next one from Ben Petrie. Thoughts on Zach Bulduke's 50 goal season uh, with the Quebec Ramparts, a St. Louis Blues first round pick from last year. Uh, thoughts on his season? Obviously, uh, it, it's a great, great draft plus one. Right. and But it didn't look like it was always going to go that way. You know, he has the big underage here. I forget what it was with, with Ramuski. I think he had like 30 goals as a 16-year-old or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Then, then his then his draft year comes along, gets hurt a couple of times, doesn't have the big numbers. You know there's talent there, though. You've seen it in prior years. You've seen it in flashes in his draft season. He can skate. He's really skilled. He can shoot the puck really well. Doesn't put up big numbers. Then the first half of this season starts. And he's still not putting up numbers. He was like hovering just around like a point a game. The goals were 
were good, but they weren't great in that first half. Ends up not getting even invited to, to Canada's U20 camp in, in the winter after being a summer camp invite. It, you know, you talk to people around the queue, they're like, hey, I don't I don't know if this one's ever going to work. And then that second half comes and he just explodes. This, once that once the season restarted there in, in the queue, this guy's been on a tear. And he looks like everything you thought he was going to be when he was that 16-year-old and when the Blues picked him as a top 20 pick in this last year's draft. He's got the skill. He's got good vision. He can really shoot it. He plays with pace. The compete level is not always the best still, and I think that's a legitimate concern on him. But, again, he's – I think in the first half, if you were a Blues fan – I still had him on my U23 list as a top prospect, but I had him like kind of quite low. And I think you look at his year right now, and I think in, in overall you're you're pretty happy with what you got. He's going to find himself in an interesting spot, though, here, because a, a, as a player who's already scored 50 goals in that league, uh, he's not AHL eligible yet next year, I don't believe. So now it's, it's going to be the eternal uh, dilemma with that CHL-NHL agreement of do you put a guy who just scored 50 goals in that league back into it? Do you try to... See if you can uh, keep him around the NHL roster. How would you approach this here? I, I can't. He's got to go back because Jake Neighbors made that team last year. They, they didn't have space. They sent him back. I think Neighbors is going to be pushing to be on that team. I think you're going to send him back. He's probably going to do it again. Have, have him play a big role on Canada's U20 team in the winter and following season he, he, he could push. It, it's a blessing and a curse to, to go to a team that's uh, that, that's as good as St. Louis is because the, the blessing is they're not going to have to rush you. You're probably not going to get uh, that experience, but the downside is you, you're probably not going to get there quite as quick as, as maybe you want, uh, but that's okay. And Quebec's going to be a Mem Cup contender next year. That's true, and and he'll get to play that role for, for a good team, and, and that's, uh, that's certainly a valuable thing. Uh, moving on to Hockey Ninja, who says, some seem very uncomfortable with the idea of – Picking Yuri Slavkovsky in the top five. Why is this, and how do you feel about this player? I don't know that I've seen this one. I feel like people like Slavkovsky. Yeah, I guess again, I don't want. To, I don't know who these people are, but but I guess you know you, you see the sentiment among the production. I think is mm. usually the thing we hear is you know, why do we have this guy rated second overall when he doesn't score like that? You look at past second, third overall type of players in Liga. Whether it's Patrick Lyon, Alexander Barkov, Jesse Pugliarvi, even some of the guys who weren't those high picks ended up becoming uh, really good players, like a like like a like a Miko Rantanen or, or others. They just produced at higher levels than, than this guy did, which I think is a fair argument. It's legit. It's a legitimately fair argument. Although TPS, very good team, they went to the finals in Liga, didn't win, but they were one of the, the top teams in in that league this season. And as as the league went on into the second half into the playoffs, his role kept getting bigger on that team. Um, and I think, but I think a big part of it just comes down to his international hockey. It's his Holika Gretzky was great. His World Juniors, limited World Juniors, were very good. His his Olympics were just outstanding. He played World Championships as a sixteen year old. Held up World Juniors as a sixteen year old was very good there. Just seems like is that's the crux of the argument to go with the, the toolkit. The toolkit's why he's able to do all these things. It's just he has all the attributes. Six force, skilled, fast, can shoot it, can make plays. Just he looks like he's gonna be a stud. I get the production, I do, but I, I just think it's not like no production. Like I think we were, I was watching the NFL draft yesterday, the guy Trayvon Walker, who went first overall to Jacksonville. I think that was kind of the argument. He was like pure tools, no production. I think this guy is pure dual, pure tools, pretty good production, even if it's not exceptional across the board. 
Well, and I think uh, if you go and look at Slavkovsky's game logs, like you'll you'll notice like the ice time went up in the second half too as his production went up. And I don't know if it's a chicken a chicken or the egg situation, but it was twelve or thirteen minutes, which is not nothing um, at the start of the year. But especially but on a top team, exactly. And you you move into the later stretches of the year. I think March it was sixteen plus minutes a night. And I think uh, whether that's because hey he went to the Olympics and showed we have to play him more, uh, or whether it's he produced more as he got more ice time, it's one of the two. I guess maybe it's both, um, but I think that's relevant too when you, when you talk about the production. Yep, no, I agree. And players, especially young players, develop different paces, and sometimes they they get better as the season goes on. And I would argue that happened in this case. He's he's not exceptionally young, but but he's a late March birthday too. I think that that's relevant too. We're not talking about one of the like a, a late birthday here who. Uh, you know, you would have expected it to happen instantly or, or whatever. So, uh, yep, we'll move on to John D, who says, uh, would you give a one, this is a really good one, would you give a 1C skill grade to all the centers that play on the first line for their team? I doubt it, and that's the issue. There are 32 players who are kind of quote-unquote 1Cs in reality, yet their skill levels vary wildly. I, I'm going to assume when he says 1C skill grade, I, you you have like a, a, a breakdown that has like a puck skill grade. I think he just means a 1C grade. Like like you put him yeah. in the tier of a top line center. And it, it's a really good, really good point that he's making. Yeah. And I think, I think I would if I was actually doing that. I mean, with variations, I think the guys at the very, very bottom, you know, if you had to rank the top 32 centers in the NHL, there's probably a couple of them that are on the same team. And there's probably a couple of them you know, on one team that aren't on any individual team. That's just the yeah. way the math that's going going to work. But I think for the most part, a lot of teams first line centers, I would grade as a first line center. Uh, you know, but I guess it depends on what you mean by that. So what what I mean is like, you know, when I grade Matthew Beniers as a first line center, and when I grade Logan Cooley as a projected first line center, in my head I'm thinking these are not projected superstars in the NHL. These are guys I think will be bottom half of that 32 in in the league but i think when you talk to like team executives team scouts when they say oh, i want a first line center i feel like when they say that they're not talking about the 25th best center in the league mm-hmm. they're talking about nathan mckinnon they're talking about alexander barkov they're talking about Patrice bergeron they're talking about those guys who are monsters guys who change your franchise uh, so i i get what that where that's saying because i think when the, the 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 diction for a first line center tends to be like the superstar, but I, I think I would still give a good chunk of those thirty two a, a high grade in, in that sense. Well, and ultimately, a lot of these teams are looking for two of these guys, right? Like like you have you look at St. Louis when they won it, and Ryan O'Reilly I think is your classic one C. I don't think you're going to find an NHL GM who says Ryan O'Reilly can't be the one C on their cup contending team because he's already been it. You've also got Braden Shen, who's probably more in that kind of Cooley Beneers mold, right? Where you would call them a top line center, um, but they're playing that role as more of a really good one B, basically to to a Ryan O'Reilly. We're talking about when they won the cup, or right yeah, now? Correct, when they won the cup, yeah. Because I was like, isn't Thomas their center right now? Yeah, no, for sure. But but when they won the cup, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm that's how I kind of think about these cup teams. Is like they a lot of them have two of those guys, and maybe one's a upper half and one's a second half. Maybe both are kind of second half, but it's it's having both of them that. That does it. Yep. No, I would tend to agree. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on to the next one, we've got Ryan Rosar, who says, are the Kings doing a good job developing their prospects? They've had a good top prospect pool for a while, uh, but few, if any, breakouts yet. What do you think there? I think it's – he's. I get where he's coming from, 
is like you look at like their top prospects for several years and they, they haven't taken the huge step. Obviously, we can we can talk about Alex Turkoff for a while if you want to, and and how he's not really taken the big step forward as a pro. And you know, you look, you're still waiting for a guy like Quinton Byfield to really, really pop. Although he was injured for a significant stretch of the season, but they made the playoffs this season, and I didn't think they would, so I was wrong about that. And and I think a big part of that was their young players. I mean, you had, you know, you know, Mikey Anderson, you know, when he's been healthy, it just, you know, he wasn't outstanding this season, but a you know, mid-round pick who's turned into a regular NHL player. Tobias Bjornfoot, he's made the team at a very young age and, and hasn't looked back. Uh, you know, Sean Dursey was so good this season. Like, I did not see this coming from Sean Dursey. I didn't think he got on the American League, maybe play a couple of games here and there. Didn't think he was a great skater, small defenseman, but just outstanding hockey sense. He's been he was really impressive this season. Uh, you know, Jordan Spence played a lot of games for them, and he was really impressive as a pro this season. So, you know, I think there's a lot there to like. Yeah, you can talk about again Turcotte, you can talk about Velarde. Uh, it, it's never a perfect track record. Although, I, you know, I, I thought among their top prospects, I thought Kalia had a very good season. I think he's he's progressing into being that you know a true, really good top six forward over the course of his career. So, like I said, you know. That's kind of why you get a ton of draft picks. It's why you need to get a lot of assets over a long period of time because they're not all going to work. You know, Velarde may not always develop how you want, although he was very good in the American League this season. But but, but if you get a lot of them, eventually you're going to run into Bjornfoot. You're going to run into Jordan Spence. You're going to run into Sean Dersey. That's just how that process works. Kelly, I have another guy who had the, the skating concern who maybe is uh... – Doing some right, favors right. for other guys in there, but but you're right. I mean, I think a lot of times people look at development as just what happens in between when the player is drafted and when they set foot in the NHL. It's a process that goes longer than that. It's it includes, I would say, your first few, if not more, years in the NHL too, and and that's part of it. it not every guy has the exact same timeline or, or, or path there. I think that's that's important to remember. Uh, Evan Shaman says, "How would you balance best player available versus positional need in the draft?" Couple teams in the top ten like Ottawa and Detroit who need centers. You don't say. Would you go with a geeky Nazar or a Slavkovsky Juracek if they fall? Uh, you want to start here? Or you want me to? Yeah, you could if you want. Yeah. So I, this is one that I've I've talked about with uh, with people really all year because this is Detroit. This is their situation. Uh, they badly need a, a another kind of top center to pair with Dylan Larkin, um, and and they do look like they're going to be in range where it's it's not going to be Shane Wright or Logan Cooley. And I think this is really going to be a, a draft-defining question for them. Um, I actually think Ottawa's in a little better center shape than than they are with Norris and Stutzla. So you know, but maybe maybe they want to play somebody on the wing or, or whatever. Yeah. There's a question whether Stutzla's a center or a wing, but I think he could be a center. But, but yeah, yeah, that's that, that's Shane Pinto too, right? He's a really, really good player. Yeah. So but I think like, it's definitely this is more Detroit centered. Yeah, and, and to me the answer is I think in in this dynamic, right? If if somehow Slavkovsky Juracek's on the board. I think you still have to take them. I, I think it's it's a question yep. of the tier. If you if you have guys in the same tier, then I don't have a problem with you going for for your position of need. But I think you know certainly on Corey's list, I think both of those two guys are at least one tier. Slavkovsky, I think, is like a I, maybe it's like a half tier thing because you you break them out yeah. right now. But uh, when you have them in those different groupings, you go with the guy who's in the grouping above. And if you if you're in a tie break situation, I don't mind you going with positional need. But that's how I would look at it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously you can. Do certain things of the draft. You can trade up. You can trade down if you want to try and go up. If you, if you want to try and go get Connor Geeky, because I think he he will. Pro, he's got a good chance to be gone before the, the Wings pick, so you can do that. 
then the question becomes, you know, will a guy from that group get to where they are? Do you really want to give up significant assets just to go get the center? You know, those are reasonable questions to ask. At the end of the day, if it gets to their pick and the best player available isn't a center, but it's close, I, I don't, I think people can overthink the best player available thing sometimes. And, you know, if it's a, just making something of making a scale up at a thin air. If you have a scale of one to ten, and the guys like an, and the, your best player is an eight point eight, and the center is an eight point six, and you really need the center, I don't think you're sacrificing that much by going towards the center. But if the, if the margin is much greater than that, then you start asking, you know, do we take this player? Do we make a trade? Try and get extra second, third round picks? We can maybe acquire center. Maybe it's Marco Casper. Maybe it's Frank Nazar. Maybe it's Cutter Gauthier if you think he's a center. Uh, those are those are reasonable directions to take. Uh, but I think it's – I generally don't hate teams that just go slightly off the board. Well, and, and I, without – I don't always love using the term like value because I think it's some sometimes hedge fundifies every, everything a little bit as, as we've sure. done in, in sports. But there is some element of like, okay, best player or like most valuable player and like how do you scale those things? Because centers do – like to, to, to get a equivalent center uh, versus a wing is much more expensive in the NHL. And I, I think especially when you talk about the D – you know, especially if okay, so the Red Wings have picked two pretty good defensemen in in the top uh, top ten in the last few years. But if Juracek was there, I, I wouldn't sweat it because it it's really expensive to get defensemen like Juracek and and Slavkovsky obviously is even rated even higher than that. But let's let's say that the winger was more of like a Kamel, um, who, who I think you could certainly have above Nazar um, and uh, who was the other one that they mentioned? Oh, they mentioned Geeky. But let's say it's like a Marco Casper. Like I, I wouldn't, I would have less of a problem going with the center over the wing than I would, who maybe is in a, a slight tier above than I would the defenseman because the defenseman I think is still every bit as costly and hard to find on the open market. Yep, I mean I had one general manager tell me once that he his he thinks the the goal of the draft is to get uh, the type of players that you can't get in the open market, which is basically what you just said. Yeah, right there, and I, that that manager tended to, to prioritize centers and defensemen in, in his draft. I think when I rank, I usually say tie goes to the center of the defenseman if it's them versus a wing. I probably wouldn't move a guy up a tier just because he's yeah ha- has the position. Yep, I think that's a good philosophy. Uh, Cody Fennel, seeing a lot of dr- draft analysts step up for Gleb Trukosov. Am I saying that right? Yes. Uh, some ranking him in the top five. Wondering if you go over his pros and cons in your opinion. I don't know that I've seen a ranking of him in the top five, so I'll, I'll just put that there. But uh, yeah, sure. what, what do you think of, of Trikosov there? Yeah, I get a lot of questions about him, so I, was, I, I think this was a good one to, to ask. And, you know, he's had a very good uh, year in, in junior uh, with Avangard's MHL team. Highly productive, really good playoffs. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a winger with size, very good puck skills, very good offensive creativity. Uh, you know, uh, can shoot it very well. Skating's fine, I would say. It's not bad, but it's not a strength. Competes probably average too. Reminds me a lot of in style and because of where they play. Reminds me of the Pavel, Pavel Dorofiev kid uh, that Vegas took a couple years ago, who I also kept getting a lot of questions about because he scores a lot in that league, which is a good league, but it's not an exceptional league. And and he looks like a good prospect for Vegas. Played some games this year. He's productive in the American League. Wouldn't call him a top prospect, but he's a good prospect. And that's kind of the same way I view Trigazov. He's very skilled, has some good has a good toolkit, needs a little bit more pace, energy in his game overall. I see him take some off nights that you that you wouldn't want to see. Um, but he's a good prospect. I think he'll be a second or a third round pick. 
don't see a first rounder there. And then last one, uh, just in case we didn't uh, stir up enough drama with our best fast food burger question, Callum Kemla wants to know our favorite breakfast cereal. This is our people's going to find out that I truly am just the most boring person ever because honestly, mine is Cheerios. <laughs> All right. So my, my favorite one, I don't have much cereal anymore. Um, but the favorite one I ever had is actually discontinued. Um, did, you ever, did you ever try the alphabet cereal? I don't think so. I'm not like a big breakfast guy in general, but no, I okay. have No, I used to have that crap a lot. And it's like, you know, like, and I love the, sh- I don't eat ever eat cereal ever. So if I do is the Shuri shit, it's like stuff like that, <laughs> stuff like Frosted Flakes, like, yeah. you know, like Those are good. stuff that they're, they're, they're amazing, but it's just, I, I don't ever have like, if I'm going to have a healthy breakfast, it's going to be, you know, a healthy breakfast. I'm not going to put, pour a bowl of Cheerios. Uh, but, uh, th- those were the ones that, that come to mind again, like those, the fruit loops, the frosted flakes, but alphabets, like those, those, those hit hard. Like if it, like, uh, those, those are good breakfast. I, and I don't think, I think they got discontinued again. I don't know. I don't, I don't buy breakfast cereals anymore, but I thought, I thought it was important that we answered this question. Yeah. The only cereals I have are, are Cheerios and rice checks in the house. And I just treat them both like, like two p. My girlfriend's in, in the office shaking her head at me right now. Uh, but I, I just treat them like like 2 p.m. snacks. I almost never eat breakfast, but I do like frosted flakes. I probably should have I should, probably should have thought of that, and maybe it would have sounded a little less uh, a little less boring on the podcast today. Well, that's because you wake up at 11, so you miss breakfast every day. I, I will. Yeah, that's actually that's absolutely true. <laughs> I, I think it's really more like 10, 10, 15. I got to make it to morning skate. But yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a fact. All right, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. They're going to start you with a 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. So do that, and we'll talk to you soon.